The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hi, I'm Kenna Danielle, and you are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Welcome to the Legal Connection Show. This is Tony Collins, and I'm a um, licensed attorney here in Texas. And my co-host, Cheryl, is going to be joining us uh, via uh, digital uh, uh, airwaves because uh, she could not come in today because she's been, uh, I guess, quarantined because she learned that um, her husband had... Uh, uh, perhaps gotten COVID. She'll let, let talk to us a little bit about that. And um, anyway, our show, we uh, give you a little, what our calls are. It's a Legal Connection Show. You are listening to IRLoneStar.com. Um, you can listen to us at FM 104.5 or FM 106.1. And we also are, uh, we are, are we, we are taped so you can get us on YouTube. We also have a Facebook page. If you go to Facebook at Legal Connection Show, um, you can watch some of our uh, previous podcasts. And uh, today is uh, our show is going to be on false accusations, which is an extension of uh, uh, some previous shows that we just did on uh, victims' rights versus civil liberties of the uh, presumed innocent accused. And um, we're going to bring uh, Cheryl on now, I believe, uh, so she can... I'm on. Oh, I'm great, here. great, great. Yeah. Because, um, we, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show uh, mm-hmm. on two things about your, your situation at home, which, you know, is, is the, the pandemic and how it's affecting everybody's lives right now. But also yeah. um, that we both are involved in cases and a lot of cases uh, historically and probably in the future that involve people that have been uh, falsely accused and wronged by both the police and individuals. So um, first, uh, yeah. let's talk about what is going on with uh, with your, your, your COVID situation. Well, my husband just started feeling really, really crummy. And um, he wasn't getting any better. And so I think it started about Thursday night. So... I uh, kept getting worse, and so I went up on Sunday uh, to a clinic and had two COVID tests, and both of them were positive. And so then he called me and said, get up here right now. I need to test you for COVID, mm-hmm. and I didn't have it. Okay. So I'm negative, and he's positive. Does, and, but you don't have any symptoms, do you? Well, you know, I don't know. Not like he did. I, my nose has kind of stopped uh-huh. up a little bit. Uh-huh. But, you, you know, Tony, it's really sad because one of Sam, my husband's best friends, died this morning. From COVID. He died this he's morning? 52. Really? 
Yeah, he died. The guy I was telling you about. Yeah. Oh my gosh, and he was only fifty-one. He was. I think he was fifty-two, and I mean, a picture of health. All he did was work out. You know. And he was on a ventilator for two and a half weeks, and then he had a heart attack because of that. And uh, then he died this morning. Wow. I was just reading the paper about this doctor because we're both of our husbands are doctors, so of course. You know, that's, right. that's what we kind of geared toward that, you know, same. They're first responders, and so there may be some exposure. But uh, I was reading about another doctor here in the Woodlands, and what caught my eye was that the, the wife was making a statement saying, um, you know, he was my soulmate, and he was only, you know, 51. He was, uh, you know, healthy, and we had all these plans. And and uh, and I got to looking into it, and because something just didn't make sense. She was... I looked at her. I, I actually looked up and did the investigative work and determined that this woman was not actually his wife, which bugged me. Really? Yeah. And it ends up that I thought, why is she saying this? And she was quoted as wife, and I thought maybe common law. They had just bought. I guess she was more like the reason that his his marriage had split up, and you know she was uh, she worked for him for like uh, five, uh, I guess eight years is what it was, and he never married her though, and they had recently bought. He had bought her a house in Houston, and I, I'm so nosy. <laughs> I looked it up, yeah. and they they bought the house as him being single and her being single uh, last October, and so they were never married. I think that she's just gearing up to like try to make a claim yeah. to his estate. But yeah. well, that goes toward this guy was all the pictures he was doing seminars on COVID, and he was oh, you're kidding. Um, he and was this guy died of COVID. Yes, and he went to New York. He was with the mask and all that stuff. I mean, he was the picture of health to me. Uh, it looked yeah. like they were vacationing and not vacationing, yeah. but having like you know get-togethers at you know uh, the Facebook post showed that they were going out to eat and entertaining and you know it, it just yeah. kind of. And he was only fifty-one, and so I thought, wow, yeah, that's pretty this scary. This is not something that that people want to get. I mean, I know. Uh, very small percentage of people get really, really sick with this. But the weird thing is you don't know if you're going to be that person. Well, I mean, I was listening to uh, the Catholic channel this morning, and they were saying that there was a a big discussion on the vaccine and uh, about that. Why would you take a vaccine that's 95% or at least they say effective when it hasn't been tested and you don't know that possibly a a side effect might be, you know, speaking Chinese or, you know, uh, wanting Mandarin food or something because they just don't know. There's always these conspiracies and stuff. But um, but if there's a 99% chance that you won't, it's not you won't be a fatality for COVID. But what if you're that just like. These people are the one percenters, is what I'm going to call mm-hmm. them, that mm-hmm. are uh, uh, men in their early 50s. That's at least two that we know about now. But that disturbs me. That um, well, that, you know what Sam said too, in all his reading, that um, certain blood types are more vulnerable huh. or get it at a higher rate. Huh. Uh, I think it's A, but it may be A negative. It's whatever Sam is. Do you know and what I'm yours o is? Negative. Yeah, I'm I'm O negative. Oh, I don't know what I am. But yeah, I mean, you don't ever hear that talked about. But he's done a lot of reading and yeah. you know stuff like that as this whole thing has unfolded. And certain blood types seem to be more uh, vulnerable to it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Speaking of, do we know how Giuliani is doing? <laughs> the only person I had. I, I was concerned. Yeah, I don't. I know that I Herman Cain died, and that was a big surprise to me. You know, I've just, I know. And then Giuliani got it. But anyway. All right. Well, uh, 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 Giuliani's uh, uh, name 
starts with a, a G, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But Sam is, uh, he's not in the hospital or anything, right? <clears throat> no, he's uh, just staying in a hotel. Okay, well, um, and why is he staying in a hotel? Because he doesn't want to give it to the family? Yeah, he doesn't okay. want to give it to us. Well, yeah. he'll will, he will be in my prayers because you just never know. And, you know, Sam seems to also be the picture of health to me, but you just told me that his good friend was the picture of health. And um, Yeah, uh, it's really terrible. That's that, that's kind of scary. All right. Yeah. Uh, 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 look up Giuliani and uh, update me on that if you find it. But here's what our segments are going to be on today. Um False accusations. Our first part of our, our show is going to be on why do people give false information to the police? And so we'll kind of go over some of those uh, seven deadly sins and why people do that. Uh, and we've got some articles on it and some examples. Uh, the second part is going to be um, when do people make false accusations most and whether it's intentional or accidental, uh, you know, like you just you thought you were giving correct information but weren't, which sounds a little bit odd to me as an attorney. Uh, So I don't know about that, but we've got some information on that. Uh, The third part of our show is going to be, is it a crime to make false accusations? And what uh, what the crimes are in Texas, where in the penal code you can go. And then the fourth is going to be, what are your civil legal options if the police uh, don't press charges against those people that have made false accusations? So, um, mm-hmm. and we've got some, you've got a case you're working on right now civilly. And of course, all my clients, they do a lot of, not all my clients, but the ones that have been falsely accused all go, the very first thing that comes out of their mouth, when I know they're innocent, when they tell me this is, I want to press, I want to press charges. And of course, you can't press charges. The law enforcement, the government presses charges. Um, but you can, uh, if from a civil standpoint, if you want to get some kind of, um, I guess, satisfaction, then you aim for the pocketbook, which is uh, money. And that's the civil civil cases always have to do with money. That's how you get your, uh, I guess, your uh, final, I don't know. Uh, what what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, satisfaction, I guess, but that's not the word I'm, yeah. I'm looking at. But but you're, that's you're staying court. Your your damages are money in a civil case, whereas the damages in a criminal case are going to be uh, right. criminal fines and incarceration or or something that is enforced through the government. Okay, yeah. so um, uh, what did you find anything out about Giuliani? Um, he had it. He he was in. Last week in the hospital for three days, and it was talking about Trump pardoning him, but um, he's oh. doing better. Okay, so he, he's not he's not going to be one of the one percenters, then, as we shall call them. No. Okay, false accusations. Uh, false accusations can occur in domestic violence cases, which is very prevalent in our line of work because we, uh, I say we, uh, you've done some cases where we've, we've defended assault cases. Um, and a lot of times right. they have, uh, like in our shows that we talked about previously, there there are true victims. But what we run up against, uh, you know, I would say 75% of the time is that it's a, it's a gray area. There's not a true victim. In fact, in a lot of cases I'm handling right now, I'm going to call them professional victims because they have an yeah. ulterior motive. They're not really victims, but they've done this before, and they have learned that this is a way to sort of stick the knife in and, um, you know, and, and, and make more damage or there's some monetary gain by them making the false accusation. Um, yeah. In some cases, as 
uh, alleged complaining witnesses will make a false accusation following a heated but nonviolent argument. In other cases, the aggressor in a violent confrontation will call the police in an effort to avoid the consequences of their own actions. So they try to be the proactively cover the things that they have done. Um, In some cases, false accusations are calculated. They could occur during contentious divorce proceedings or as an effort to sway a judge in a custody decision. Uh, Regardless of the accusations, um, they can have devastating consequences consequences if they're false. Uh, Texas laws used to prosecute allegations of domestic violence are very broad. Um, When the intent was to ensure the acts of abuse do not fall through the cracks by way of a technicality, the unfortunate reality is that these broad statutes are often unfair. And in many cases, open-ended domestic violence statutes can push prosecutors to bring charges in cases where there is little evidence that a crime occurred. Mm-hmm. And I we, we I know that we did uh, we did a trial together uh, you know for a firefighter that was uh, yeah. I I think that that was completely made up in every way this girl was just evil uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, your client was exonerated. So did the jury. So did the jury. Yeah. The jury saw but it, but look at his name got slung through the mud. Yeah, he had to go through all of that. Get an attorney. I mean, get a good one. You know, he got me. Pay for that, <laughs> and uh, and go through all that stress. That that poor guy. And you know, with the possibility that he could be found guilty because it's a he said, she said, in exactly. typical situations like that. Um, in fact, it takes very little for a person to make a false allegation of family violence. Any mm-hmm. member of your household or person you have been romantically involved with could make an allegation. Uh, without uh, providing any proof whatsoever. Yeah. In many cases, the police will arrest, will make an arrest based on nothing more than these allegations. And we know that to be the case. Um, Yeah. False allegations are compounded by the fact that the accuser can easily undo the damage that is done. Uh, I'm sorry, that they they cannot easily undo the damage because once they they do it, once they make the allegation, they've made the record. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. And the government okay. wants to go forward. Yeah. You know, With without you. because yeah. they they say that oh you're just you're trying to recant because uh, you don't want you're afraid that you're, you're afraid yeah. of the per- no a lot of people want to recant because they know they're lied mm-hmm. and then they get mad and they want to recant the recant and then that really helps my case for my criminal defendant but when they recant the recant then the prosecutors just say well. They were they were forced to recant, and so now they're telling the truth again. It's like just a mess. Um, yeah. Uh, alleged violence victim cannot simply withdraw their accusation or drop criminal charges after they've been filed. Once accusations have been made to law enforcement, only the prosecutor is empowered to dismiss the charges. And um, I'm going to add to that not just the prosecutor, but you can take it to a grand jury if the prosecutor won't dismiss the charges, and the grand jury has the option. But the caveat is the grand jury doesn't uh, can is only given the information that the prosecutor provides them. So That's if the right. prosecutor decides that they don't want to show the extul- exculpatory evidence, like in the case that I'm working on right now, we have video evidence of the lie. Literal hotel surveillance and cell phone records that show that false allegations were made against my client. Yet, 
the prosecutor said, I didn't have to show them anything, and I didn't show them the video. And um, so I filed a motion to see the transcript to get this case dismissed by the judge on a motion for the exculpatory judgment, uh, exculpatory evidence not being provided. And in Texas... They don't have to provide exculpatory evidence. They do in the federal courts, and they do in in some other states. But in Texas, the the prosecutor can just say, "Look, the allegation was made, and she's a victim." And um, and in my case, they that is that is sickening. It is That's awful. Just- and so when I asked the judge, because we went before the judge, because the victims have so many rights, if you're a professional victim, like the girl mm-hmm. in our case that's worked for a number mm-hmm. of hotels so she knows how it works, and the name never comes up because uh, of the person making these accusations, because they get to use a pseudonym, or they have so many rights. So you literally, she literally could do this over and over and over yes. and never get caught. And you, and you, no one they, even knows it's her. Right, right. Wow. If you're not a... a if it doesn't come out in the, the public record, then yes, they can do it yeah. over and over. And they can go forward and um, try to uh, basically extort employers, hotels, uh, the, yeah. uh, uh, the the victim who could be an ex-lover, a somebody they just wanted to pick up at a bar, um, anybody they yeah. think that has money. And so um, uh, it, it's, what the judge said in our uh, in our hearing, he's a really, really good judge. As he said, "Look, um, I can't." The the prosecutor's telling me that there was no transcript, and I said, "No, no, no. I'm uh, doing my due diligence, and I'm asking for a, a motion that the transcript be released." And he said, "Well, there was no transcript," and the prosecutor say, "No, Your Honor, there wasn't a transcript. There's no court reporter. You don't know what was presented." And the prosecutor already said in my case that she didn't. She presented only what the grand jury wanted to hear, and it's like. Well, how would they know what they want to hear if you're not providing the exculpatory evidence that shows that this didn't happen? So um, very, very frustrating. So the grand jury is, uh, you know, the prosecutor doesn't want the grand jury to hear, you know, what's going on. And they just want to say that they only want to say their side, that there was this accusation made. Then you've got to go forward and, and take the case to trial. And it's really a sad situation. But that's. You know, that was the caveat is it's not just the prosecutor that has the the empowerment to dismiss, but it really is because the prosecutor, you as a defense attorney, can't speak to the grand jury to give your side and you can give them the whole package. But if they are if they don't read it or if you don't even know if it was given to them, then there's nothing you can do about it. So you go forward and it really does drag your your client through the mud and. You know, these professional victims make it uh, give a bad name to true victims. Um, now, uh, right. uh, to uh, the false accusers, uh, says um, the, a dedicated family violence defense attorney and criminal defense attorney can leverage an admission of a false accusation in an effort to have the charges against the accused dismissed. But that's really, really difficult, and you're walking a fine line when you're talking to to the person that wants to recant because they'll turn on you, and you've got some, uh, you know, ethical— you ethically can't ask the victim to recant. Um, if, if, if because they'll go to the state bar or they'll go or they'll change they'll go to the prosecutor saying my arm was twisted I was extorted to recant it really did happen and then it comes back on you and so it's I 
normally I don't even go try to talk to the victim unless they've approached me and I'm recording it and I let them know in advance I'm recording it to protect myself. I don't even go there. Uh, what I try to do as a uh, uh, in a domestic violence situation, and that happens a lot in divorce. You've got false allegations flying in child custody right. battles. A lot of false accusations flying. Um, I just collect all the evidence I can via subpoena. And I know that's what you're doing right now in the case that you're working on uh, right now because you're trying to prove false allegations. And the only thing you can do is get video evidence and uh, you you try to find people that were witnesses and subpoena them to be present. So what have you been doing with your case? What are the, the trials and tribulations that you've been going through in the defense of the case that you're doing right now? Well, it's, um, um, it's, we're the plaintiffs, so we actually brought the suit, but it's a false imprisonment, false arrest. <clears throat> but you brought um, the suit because a false allegation was made against your client, correct? Yep, that's right. And he was treated badly, put in handcuffs, um, defamed, um, accused of, of lewd things. And, uh, then they just went, oh, hmm, sorry. And, um, who, who is the people that said, um, who, sorry, the people that made the false accusations? Uh-huh. Okay. The, and there's damages the involved because of his livelihood, his reputation, his freedom. Right. And so mm-hmm. you're having to, uh, you brought the suit, uh, to defend him. And, and, uh, you know, we were going to get into this a little bit more in our, our last section, but a uh, segment in today's show, but, when people are falsely accused criminally, they're not in a position to sue civilly until they have been exonerated because the victims right. have rights. And if there's a nugget of truth to what they're saying, it makes the civil case very, very difficult, if not impossible, uh, to go forward with. And so um, we're going to talk about malicious prosecution, uh, defamation, mm-hmm. false imprisonment. Uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, the kinds of claims that you can bring in a civil suit um, uh, when you've been falsely accused. But again, in a criminal case, it's really, really difficult. If not, a, if well, it would it wouldn't be it wouldn't be prudent to bring a civil case in a uh, with regard to a false allegation in a criminal case unless you uh, unless there's extenuating circumstances uh, because it just as an attorney you wouldn't want to take their money to go forward with it because they would lose because you're not right and from a timeliness standpoint you, you can't you, you you don't have the elements you need to win these cases um, okay. so um, False accusations as a defense. There are a few options for defending against false accusations in a domestic violence case. Developing a defense in a case involving a false accusation will center around the investigative work by your attorney, which is what we were just talking about. And that stems from very quickly getting all the evidence you can when a false accusation is made. Um, Even the person that's claiming that the false accusation was made should be proactively first determining who they're hanging around with. If you're hanging around with a bunch of thugs who are looking for a fall guy, if you're if you're dating somebody that, you know, is has a a. Uh, I guess, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, propensity for lying and uh, 
making false allegations against you and and you're too dumb to know that you need to leave this person if it's a lover or to discipline this person if it's your kid or to protect yourself if you're a teacher and it's a student um you if you're if you feel like false accusations can be should be, are going to be made against you or if a person has propensity for doing that please protect yourself by having your cell phone recorder going and if you're an attorney letting them know up front that you're doing that because yeah. only an attorney can't record everybody else can turn their cell phone on and start recording and protect yourself all right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but as an, an attorney you want to quickly subpoena the records of the uh surveillance the whether it be in a store, Walmart, hotel, you want to quickly get the cell phone records. You want to quickly um, determine who witnesses are so you can make sure that that's not lost uh, because it's an uphill battle. Tony, with false- Tony oh. I'm going to step away from the phone for just one second. Okay. I, I'll let you know when I'm back. Okay, okay. got it. Um, ultimately, um, these false accusation cases boil down to who a judge or jury will believe. Um, if you're an attorney, you need to show that the accuser has repeatedly changed their story and that uh, and uh, as the attorney needs to convince the jury that they uh, that the person making the false allegations has not been truthful in their allegations. Um, and I just want to get, share a couple of examples. Um, false accusations materialize under many different circumstances. Um, and so here's example number one. Um, and this is just one I'm reading right out because and the names, of course, are, 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 are made up. Uh, Fred and Linda are married but separated. Fred wants to remove some of the property from their shared home that was his prior to the marriage. Okay? So he's brought in a separate property and he wants to take it out. Angered by Fred's intention to remove his property, Linda strikes Fred. Fearing the consequences of what she has done, Linda calls the police and alleges Fred has assaulted her. That's the first example of false allegation, and I see it all the time. Um, Here's another example. Consider uh, the same example above. Fred is concerned that Linda will end up with most of the couple's marital assets in their pending divorce. In an effort to discredit her and obtain leverage during the proceedings, Fred burns himself purposely with a hot pan. He then calls the police to allege that Linda has called the injury. Given the evidence of an injury and Fred's accusation, the police arrest Linda. Seen this happen before? It's very, very hard when it's he said, she said, and it could be that Fred has a better um, has better credentials because he's the moneymaker, has more friends in high places. And Linda could go down for that because there's a he said, she said, and Linda may be having some emotional problems because uh, Fred is cheating on her and that's what caused the divorce. Okay, here's another example. Suzanne and Jake have been dating for a month. But Jake wants to break it off. Suzanne is angry with him over the breakup and convinces him to come over to her home to try and reconcile. When he refuses to resume the relationship, she calls the police and alleges that she was attacked. Jake is arrested and Suzanne quickly recants her story because she wants to be with Jake. Despite her change of heart, the prosecutor pursues a case against Jake relentlessly and regardlessly. Um... Facing down a false allegation of family violence is never easy. The consequences of a convention are severe. And that's why we're talking about it on the show today, because um, people make false allegations, and a lot of times they don't recant. 
And a lot of times they do it with uh, yeah. malicious uh, motives. And I, I'm in a case right now where, uh, you know, this gal made a false allegation about which my clients. And normally I, I just I go forward and I, I get my um, evidence and I prosecute it diligently and I don't let it bother me a whole lot. I just going to let it roll off my back. I've seen it before. You know, you choose who you uh, are. Uh, you know, talking with at a bar, you choose, you know, a lot of times your actions will result in um, the injury that you're feeling because, or you're experiencing because you've made a bad choice and you've done just enough to give them the seed that they need to make these false allegations. Um, But in this particular uh, case that I'm working on now and the case that you're working on too, you know, because we kind of share uh, stories being, um, sort of co-counsel with each other. Um, So it's completely confidential between the two of us, but we need to bounce these ideas off of each other to decide, you know, whether this is, uh, you know, our defenses and our, you know, our legal uh, uh, strategy is is the most succinct. Um, in, In this particular case that I'm working right now, this girl just lied and she's a professional victim. And it really made me mad because it was evident by all of the, the allegations that she made that um, she was just out for the money and for the attention and really had no concern whatsoever with the, with the victim and the victim was somebody that she didn't even know. And it just, it, it just made me mad because it hurt women that are true victims. And she's just, uh, you know, she's just a a pretty little liar. And, and I'd say a pretty little liar. She's old enough to know better. And it just, you know, irked me. And so it got me thinking about what, what I needed to do to help this guy. And, um, you know, I've got guys that have gone to jail for things they didn't do. And they took the pleas because they thought the risk was too high of me getting a a longer sentence and I couldn't do it. And, and and that's based on these false reports. Okay. So, um, what is uh, filing a false police report and when does it most often happen? Um, there are two main types of falsifications. An intentional, intentional falsification occurs when you provide a responding officer with an inaccurate details regarding an incident. It might only involve some of the details, uh, and you're only making a part of it, so it's got some nugget of truth to it. And some examples yeah. are overstating the amount stolen in a robbery, falsifying information for an insurance claim, uh, creating allegations of domestic violence for the purpose of attaining sole custody of a child, stating mm-hmm. that someone was texting and driving at the time of an accident when you did not see it for yourself. You're just saying that you're, you saw it. Um, right. And, you know, and even the examples that we have with our own cases, um, with somebody actually planning the uh, the the crime to the false allegation, trumping it up to lure in a victim to for monetary benefit uh, for the extortion of their employer, the hotel, or the 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 real victim, the person that they're trying to they're going to trump the charges up against for extortion purposes. So, um, and in your case, I don't even know why they made. I think that yours was a defensive. In your case, it was a defensive false allegation. Uh, mm-hmm. because they knew that they had done wrong uh, morally, and so they made a false allegation. And in your case, it didn't result in an arrest, but it resulted in um, a, an emotional harm to, an emotional and a monetary harm to your client. 
Um, In my cases, I can't uh, go forward with a civil prosecution until I've resolved the criminal prosecutions because there's a nugget of truth because of the way it was set up. In your mm-hmm. case, there was the there was never an actual, although it was, there was a false imprisonment being an arrest, the charges were never filed, and so you were able to go forward from that point um, with your right. with your case. And there was an incident report, and that was it. Right, and you ended up in federal court because it was a federal violation. Uh, it had uh, uh, I, made a, I made a civil rights violation claim. Right. A racial profiling civil rights violation claim. And so that's how we ended up in federal court. I mean, I made a lot of claims. I claimed everything I could have possibly claimed. <laughs> so something would you stick. Know. Now, I know that you yeah. made it in state court, and the the very, very rich people that did this bad thing to your client uh, yeah. asked for it to be removed to federal court because there was a federal civil rights violation claim. It ended up there. But, uh, you know, we've talked about this. I really love your judge. I think that you're going to do well in this case. But it's still, it was an injury, a defense, it was an injury to your client that they knew full well was an injury and shouldn't have happened. And they should have just said they were sorry and and uh, paid the damages that resulted. And instead, they've made it basically a federal case. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the old saying, we don't have to make a federal case out of it. But they did. Well, they sure did. They did. Yeah, and it was it was misinformation lying about things because uh, in a defensive move, like yeah. you just said. It was like a, a chat. I, I, we were talking about the um, the Queen's Gambit, uh, the show that this Netflix show that's really popular right now, and it's a strategy. It was a defensive strategy on this very wealthy uh, conglomerate's part to protect their reputation but when all when all the dust settles it's it's going to be shown that they have uh they they were cruel and made false allegations and treated a a a a patron uh of a lesser position improperly and all they had to do to rectify it was say we are sorry and they didn't exactly. do that. Instead, they've tried. They've made false allegations to protect their reputation, which hopefully it will come out. It won't be one of these power plays where your guy doesn't get his just um, justice isn't done. I don't want to say just rewards, right. but justice isn't done. Okay, so right. un- I, I do want to hit on unintentional un- unintentional falsifications. Um, it occurs when no, someone. What, what did you mean by that, Tony? You said. Um accidental witness is that what you're talking about yeah well um well the, the, I, I have professional witnesses that we were talking about earlier in the show and these are the people that that intentionally um i'm sorry professional victims people that intentionally yeah. go about it almost be like somebody uh criminally causing a car wreck uh so that they could you know insurance fraud but in this right. case it's somebody that's intentionally making false allegations against somebody for monetary gain, whether or, or, or because for retaliation or for harassment. Um, there's some yeah. other evil intention involved in the reason that they're making the false police report. And that all should come out. But in order for it to come out, you've got to have to do really get a really good attorney who does really good investigative work and can get that evidence in and can unravel it. And it's really difficult because, like I say, if you've got a real 
uh, you know, it's, it's through, you know, historically, you can go back to the beginning of time, uh, you know, Delilah's people making, doing bad things for, uh, for bad reasons and, and getting away with it. And that's what yeah. false allegations are. And in, in many cases, you've got uh, pretty women, maybe a, a child who's 12 or 13 that wants to get back at their step parent, you know, uh, making um, they don't want their the parent married. They, they don't want their biological parent married to the, you know, the new step parent. And so they make false allegations of sexual assault. It happens a lot and it's really pathetic. But don't underestimate a 9, 10 or 11 year old because they watch TV, too, and they right. know that they can get away with this. And it's really sad that you can't. That there are true victims, and you've got these very uh, intelligent children watching. You know, uh, with the with the internet, they get they catch wind of this and uh, make false allegations, and it basically it will break up marriages because yeah. you've got to you've got to separate that parent. The parents got to get away because all the kid has to keep doing is making the false allegations. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. witnesses. You've got this great mm-hmm. liar, great pretty little liar. Mm-hmm. And it goes, again, to um, that show that we're watching. I keep going back to it. We just, we just binge-watched it, Jim and I. Um, the uh, Queen's Gambit, it's just a strategy. And um, it's really a sad thing. But un- uh, what I was talking about was unintentional falsifications are when someone provides erroneous information to a responding officer about an accident. And uh, this is just an example. A witness to a car accident may genuinely misrepresent a person's speed at the time of an accident. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a person may genuinely believe that, um, that their brother or sister is being sexually assaulted because maybe they themselves were, which they should, there should be an allegation made, but they can't, they're, they're making up there. It's hearsay. They don't know it. A mother may believe that, you know, her child is or her grandchild is being, you know, um, I don't know, a teacher's assaulted in school. There's a number of things. Somebody may believe it's happening because they were told by somebody that had an, a, a child that had a, a different motive. And then they go mm-hmm. forward and they make they do make a federal case out of it. And it's not true. And so those are unintentional and. It, again, it's going to take a really good investigator and maybe even a therapist <laughs> in some of these cases yeah. to undo it. Uh, I do want to hit on some stuff. And, you know, I always I get these segments set out and it's really, really important that I hit a lot of these deals. But, uh, you know, our actual segments. But it is a crime to make a false allegation. And right. um, and I wanted to discuss what the penal code is on those. And. Uh, the first, um, when people commit perjury, and I hear this all the time, uh, people will perjure themselves, and it's so evident in trials that they have lied on the stand, they have lied to the police. The Texas mm-hmm. Penal Code 37.02 is it's perjury. It's the first, it's the lower level, it's not aggravated, but perjury occurs under Texas Penal Code 37.02 uh, when a person with the intent to deceive and knowledge of the statement's meaning makes a false statement under oath or swears to the truth of a false statement previously made and the statement is required to be made under oath or makes a false unsworn declaration under the Civil Practices and Remedies Code, which I don't have highlighted right now. But a false unsworn statement is, and is the kind of statement that you would make to the police, okay? 
that is perjury and it there is a penalty to it but um and, and you want to look under the Texas Penal Code 37.02 but it's just a misdemeanor unless it's aggravated which is is kind of scary because that means people are just get a slap on the wrist for making these false statements and um it's really hard to get charges to be pressed because it happens so often because they'll just say oh it was an accident i you know better that i make a mistake you know to protect a victim and uh, then the, the victim continue to be harmed you know that's that's kind of how they look at it the police okay an aggravated perjury in texas is still under the texas penal code point 37 uh, chapter 37 but it's point oh three an aggravated mm-hmm. perjury occurs if a person commits perjury um, as defined in the the, uh, sec- the one we just talked about, section 37.02, uh, but it's made during or in connection with an official proceeding, and it is material. A material false statement is one that could have affected the course or the outcome of a case. Um, whether a false statement is material or not is not up to the judge to decide. Some cases may be obvious, and that's kind of weird. You would think it would be up to the judge to decide. Um, uh, But here's an example. If a witness lies about their age in a murder trial, that would not be material, as it would have no bearing on the outcome of the trial. If a witness Mm -hmm. lies about the whereabouts of the defendant during the time of the murder, that could be considered material. Of course it's material. Um, mm-hmm. So can you go to jail if you commit perjury? Well, um, the Texas judicial system takes allegations of perjury seriously, although they don't ever, I see very seldom them present charges personally. Uh, jail time and fines are possibly for individuals who violate the Texas perjury law. Uh, perjury is a class A misdemeanor, which is punishable up to a year in county jail and a $4,000 fine. Aggravated perjury is a third-degree felony, and it's punishable up to 10 years in prison with a $10,000 fine. And it's also considered a crime of moral turpitude, so it can be brought up again and against somebody if you're trying to get a license or something. That's, that will come up. It's not something that will... Uh, it's taken uh, far more seriously. And, and Dick is telling me that I only have two more minutes or one more minute now. But I do want to say that the Texas Penal Code 37.08, a false report to a peace officer is also um, a crime. So look that up. A person commits an officer with the intent to deceive. He makes a knowing false statement to a peace officer, an employee of law enforcement, or a corrections officer. And that's punishable. That's a Class B misdemeanor, also just a slap on the wrist. You can be arrested for it, and people are arrested for it, but normally they're going to get probation time. And so uh, the last one is the Texas Family Code under uh, Section 261.107. is a false report, um, in, uh, and it can be a criminal or civil penalty in a family case. And this happens so often that the attorney general can get involved and get criminal penalties uh, pushed for it. Are your attorney in a family, a Texas family case, whether, you know, having to do with um, accusations made against a spouse and during a divorce or accusations for a child custody case that are false, um, they, they, you can actually get a family judge to award a criminal penalty um, and a civil penalty, which is a little bit weird because you would think you don't people don't normally think of a family court as a court where there would be a, a case where you go to trial, but it does in many instances when you don't pay your child support or if you've made where children are involved, a family court have that those kind of uh, 
they have the rights for uh, to enforce those uh, criminal penalties. All right. So um, Station Manager Dick is telling me that we are out of time and we need to wrap up. So, Christine, wrap it up for us. Yes. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. We've been talking about false accusations and and malicious criminal prosecution and perjury. And uh, we want to remind you, we hope you have a great holiday season. And we want to remind you to always serve God by serving others. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com.